just trying to focus on, again, attitude and effort when I stepped out there. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to walk out there. I'm going to, I'm going to give it my all. I'm going to go out and, and just wrestle. And I think that's when I was wrestling my best. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast presented by Spartan Combat. This is your host, Ryan Warner. This episode is brought to you by Beat the Street Chicago. They're our favorite nonprofit. And they just released a short documentary film on the Beat the Streets National Duels, an event they hosted last June where they brought Beat the Streets organizations from across the country to Chicago to host a dual meet tournament and an immersion experience for these kids. So go to btschicago.org to watch the film. Folks, this episode is with Luke Becker, assistant coach for the Minnesota Gophers, the 2002 NCAA champ, four-time All-American. He was also part of two NCAA championship teams for Minnesota, the one of which, 2001, where Minnesota won with 10 All-Americans, their first ever NCAA team title. And it happened at Carver-Hawkeye Arena. Amazing, amazing story. And then 2002, they won again. So enjoy this episode with Coach Becker, Fan of the week goes to your recent Apple podcast review, five-star review titled Great Interviews by Lama Mama. Thank you so much. Greatly appreciate the support. And thanks to everyone who's left an Apple podcast review. Last but not least, this episode is brought to you by Quant Wrestling. Quant takes the Moneyball approach to college wrestling. They track and timestamp hundreds of activities in a college wrestling match input that data into their cloud analytics platform and on their app, which you can download in the Apple and Google Play stores, you can see detailed statistics on college wrestlers. You can compare different wrestlers. So go to Quant Wrestling on the Apple and Google Play stores. Quant Wrestling, download the app now. And that's it, folks. Let's give it up for Luke Becker. Luke Becker, welcome to the podcast. Awesome. Appreciate you having me. Yes, sir. I'm excited. Minnesota has been a loyal uh, listener base for the podcast, so always good to have a, a gopher on. And, man, you were at Minnesota during literally some of the best seasons for team races in NCAA history. Were you at the national duels that year Shelton Benjamin pinned West Hand? I wasn't. I wasn't down there. Um, I um, Obviously, growing up in Minnesota, I followed the team quite a bit, and uh, but I didn't get the chance to be down there for that one. That's a that crazy was, uh, one. Yeah, that that clip shows up every once in a while, and it's amazing the way <laughs> the way that all turned out, man. Well, I didn't know that Hartung had lost the match before that, and he was like Mister Reliable for you guys. Yeah, I think that's the the only time in the. I think him and Fullheart wrestled nine times throughout their college career, and that was the only time that Hartung had lost to him. Wow, so, man! Yeah. And that's a uh, Fullheart. I mean, he beat Kale. He's you know been a national champ, so that that shows how good Hartung was back yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was um he was the first one to kind of uh to come through and and um you know especially where he came from he, he was um you know he's a one-time state champ wasn't a high recruit or anything like that but he just had an unbelievable work ethic and and uh, a will to want to win and you know he did whatever it uh, whatever it took to 
to get to the top. And he brought a lot of, a lot of guys along with him, you know, him and Kraft and those guys were the first ones that started to believe that, that we could bring a championship here to Minnesota. Yeah. And if you think about it, J rap had been there a long time. Like people probably would have thought in the eighties that he would have got there earlier than 10 years, you know, it took basically 10 years. Yeah. But the crazy part was that in 94, they were ranked number one in January. And then in like, I think there was another year, maybe like 96, they were ranked number one in January and something just things happened, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy how, you know, um, I know there were a couple times, I think it was the first time in the same weekend he had beat, they had beat Iowa and Oklahoma state um, in the same weekend and they were ranked number one, but just, there was a string of injuries and guys got sick and just some really, some really weird things. And it's amazing how everybody, you know, it's, it's funny to listen to fans sometimes like, Oh geez, he looked terrible this weekend. Well, you have no idea what's going on in his life and you know, whether Mm -hmm. he had the flu or he's, you know, he's, he's got a bad rib or something like that. So it's, you know, you really have to, there's, there's a little bit of luck involved with staying healthy and, you know, not getting sick at the wrong time to, to really be there and, um, and, uh, be able to compete at the end of the season the way you want to. Yeah. And it just shows how long it takes to like consistently put together something of a high, like now we're like, so, you know, if it doesn't happen in two years, three years, people are like freaking out, you know, and it's like, man, the great J Rob, it took him a decade to get it to where he was. And then the next 15 was just, you know, top, top three, top four, basically every year. Yeah. So, you know, you're a, you know, multiple time state champ when you graduated wins leader for Minnesota, how did you get started in the sport? You know, um, I started, um, I just, uh, when I was, I think I was in the first grade and I just, uh, just like I did everything, you know, back then they just send a little flyer home with, uh, with you from school, whether it was wrestling hockey. And every time I got a flyer, I'd come running up the driveway and say, Hey, can I, can I join? Can I join? And hockey was no. And, um, I come running up with the wrestling flyer and my mom says, absolutely not. We're not doing that. Well, my dad and, um, had wrestled for one year in seventh grade, I think. So he's like, well, let me see that. And he took a look at it and it was that night. He's like, well, you better get changed. We better go. Went to the first practice and there it was from there. It was, uh, wrestling from there on out. And when did you get serious about it? Um, pretty serious for pretty serious right away. You know, I had, I was fortunate enough to have some decent success, probably my, my second year, um, on the, on the state level. Um, but, um, yeah, once I started to have some success there, it was, you know, wrestling was my sport. I played football too, um, all the way up, but it's kind of crazy now though, um, you know, they wrestle year round now. I got a little son who's just kind of getting into it, but I wrestled, you know, it was really three, four months out of the year. And when I grew up in Minnesota, especially in the Twin Cities, I think the outstates did some folk style, but I only did freestyle up until seventh grade. I never wrestled a folk style match till I got what? to seventh grade. Yeah. There just wasn't, it was the freestyle tournaments. That's all we did. There was no folk style season. There, you didn't do like a November through February, winter, like middle school state nope. tournaments, nothing? Nope. There was nothing. Yeah. What? That's yeah. There's a, there's a couple of states you hear about where it's like they wrestle. Utah actually does that um, up until middle school. It's predominantly freestyle. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, um, yeah, it's different. I, I'm starting to figure this whole thing out now that I have a son, but it's crazy. Now it's November to June, you know, <laughs> right. So September man, to June, if you're living up where you're at, you just drop them off at pinnacle and just wipe your hands clean of it, man. They'll, yep. they'll yeah. The, yeah. That's kind of nice. high level up there, man. Yeah. They have, they do such a great job. And obviously I, you know, both of them were, um, were alumni of Minnesota here and Jared and I came in in the same class. We trained together, roomed together the, our entire college careers. So, wow. um, it's, uh, it's pretty awesome to have those guys and be able to bring my son and just drop him off there. Well, it's like every, from what I hear, like these, you know, Minneapolis is such a big wrestling city. Like all the former Gophers are like, you know, might, ha- you might go to like a middle school practice and it's like D1 all Americans coaching it. And, uh, yeah, I think it was, uh, what, um, St. Michael, uh, that like that town alone, like has like all of these like former, like college, all Americans there and like running the club. So it's like, seems like just like a wrestling hotbed up there. Yeah, it is. And you know, that's the, the fortunate thing about being in the twin cities, the university being in the twin cities, when you graduate, there's a ton of opportunities, whether you stay in wrestling or get in the business world and whatever it is, you can stick around and still be in the area. It's not a small college town where, mm-hmm. um, once you graduate and want to, want to move on outside of wrestling, you got to go somewhere else. So 
kind of a, a fun story. So you mentioned St. Michael. So a lot of the guys that, um, that were, uh, the era below or behind us, those guys all kind of went out West to St. Michael and over in Stillwater, Minnesota, where I live, there's 11 or 12 of us that wrestled in my era all live within like five, six miles of each other. And all of our kids are wrestling out there. So you go to little youth practice and there's four or five of us in there. It's, it's pretty awesome to, wow to have those guys, um, to be in a practice and our kids are all wrestling together and training together. And it's pretty cool. And so did you grow up near the twin cities or did you grow up out in the, out in the sticks? I grew up about an hour outside of the twin cities, but back to me back then, that was like a long way from the cities. Like if we went, <laughs> if we went to the cities, it wasn't for a couple hours. It was like a whole day long trip. So it right. was, it's a pretty small town out in a uh, country town, I'd say. And so when you were coming up through the sport was coach, is it Jenison was your high school coach? Yep. Yep. So was yep. he like a, like someone who really had a big impact on you or was he kind of someone who was doing everything? Like coaching a little football, coaching a little wrestling. Like what was his approach? You know, he did, he did a lot of everything, but he's, you know, he's still the coach there and he was always super involved with, you know, from the youth program on up. Cause I think, you know, to, to build a program and, and to bring guys along, like you, you want to in a high school program, you got to be involved at, at some level. And, you know, um, I think that was the, um, the great thing about him. And he also, um, with him, he was a seventh, he was our seventh grade football coach. And he, every year, he, I don't know for how many years he coached that, but he probably brought on, even in my class, I think he brought on three or four guys from our seventh grade football team that he was like, man, those guys can tackle. Yeah. They can, they're going to be good wrestlers. And he brings them along and he did that for years, but that's what helped us to be such, such a successful team because you, he had get these guys to come in and they were, they were big parts of us, our team and winning matches and making it to state. And so he did a great job of, of sucking guys, sucking guys in and, that weren't just wrestling since they were, you know, six years old, he'd, he'd find guys and pull them in the room and, and do a great job developing them. Yeah. I was just talking to someone. I, I think it was, I actually think it was Marcus Levesser, which is just ironic, but we were talking. I'm like, to have a decent high school program, you got to have someone on the football staff, whether it's like, it's best to have like the freshman football coach be like the heavyweight coach and like, just get that pipeline going. Cause if yeah. not, you're not going to be able to pluck guys off like that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And especially for some of those, you know, smaller, smaller towns, you you need as many athletes as you can get. So um, yeah. pulling, pulling guys in. And like I said, those guys can, those guys can be different makers and whether your team's making it to state or not, one or two guys makes a big difference. If you can fill those, those gaps with great athletes, you know, they may not know a ton about wrestling, but if you can get them in the room and they're good athletes and you can teach them a thing or two, it makes, it uh, goes a long way. Yeah. And it seems like everyone I talk to from Minnesota, is it the holiday tournament or the Christmas tournament? Christmas tournament. Everyone goes there. And I I don't know how I don't remember at this point, but uh, we've had a bunch of Minnesota guys on within the past six months and they all talk about it. Did you guys go to that? We did. Yeah. Yeah. We does anyone not go to this tournament? <laughs> Pretty much the, the, the best of the best. We try to get the best Minnesota teams in and, um, you know, a few out state teams. Um, but I know, um, yeah, it's just, you want to, we have, we have three classes here in Minnesota, so it's really the tournament to kind of highlight and get the best guys together to see, you know, see who's the best of the best in the state and, and surrounding states. Did you have any battles there throughout the years? Yeah, I did. I had, um, a handful of them. I wrestled actually, um, um, Todd Fuller. He was a national champ for North Dakota state. Um, back in the day, we had an overtime match actually my senior year um, at the Christmas tournament. So uh, wow. he was he was a really tough guy, and that was uh, that was a little bit too close for for comfort. But <laughs> <laughs> and so were you wrestling? You know, once you got into high school, three time state champ. Were you only wrestling during the season, or were you going for twelve months a year at that point? You know, um, I played football, so I really really took the the football season off and just hit, played football, but I'd wrestle through the season all the way through junior nationals. So, okay. Um, probably more like six, seven months, something like that. It wasn't, it wasn't really 12 months. There wasn't, there weren't clubs back then that, that were doing it year round, um, as much. So, um, yeah, it was just kind of a different, different thing than it is now. It seems like now you have to be going year round if you want to even, you know, even be, um, uh, 
think about going to the next level. But back then it was like you had your season and freestyle season. I think that's what it was back when I was there. The guys who just wrestled in season, it, they were going to have a hard time making the next level if they weren't wrestling the freestyle, freestyle mm-hmm. Greco season. So that was kind of the guys that were committed to that were the guys that made it to that next level. And when you when were com- coming up, you're coming up, uh, Minnesota hadn't gotten a trophy yet, but they still, I'm sure were a massive kind of, kind of presence in the state. I mean, like, I don't think a lot of people realize just how popular the U is in Minnesota. Like talk about like the impact of like Minnesota wrestling, like J Rob and Marty when you were coming up. Yeah. You know, it was, uh, it was pretty, you know, Jay was a, he was an innovator, man. He was, he was trying to not just help our program win a national title or be as good as we could. He was trying to develop the sport, you know, and, and build a sport. So we had, when I was, uh, I can't remember if it was, I was a junior or senior. He had, uh, what he created the Minnesota wrestling weekly. So it was a weekly wrestling pod, uh, not a podcast, but regular wrestling show that would air on like channel 45, the local, local news channel. And they'd cover all the local tournaments and, and some of that stuff. So that was really, there wasn't the, there wasn't the, um, the streaming, anything like that. So you really didn't know what was going on until the newspaper came out a week, two weeks later. So that, that wrestling, um, Minnesota Wrestling Weekly show that he put on. That's where he kind of fouled everything. And it half of it was about um, high school wrestling, and then the other half would kind of cover the college scene in the Gophers. I had never heard about that. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Minnesota Wrestling Weekly. So is he the host of it, or was it someone else? Actually, I think Will Short did it. So Will Short obviously wrestled for Jay and and coached with him for a couple of years too. And then he at that time he was coaching at Simley, but. Will's just unbelievable behind the microphone. I know he's done some some Big 12 commentating and some of that stuff too, but he's just so good behind the mic and he did a great job. It was them. And then there's a um, a news uh, sportscaster, uh, Mike Max, who's okay. been around mi- the Minnesota um, sports forever. And he was the other, it was him and Will Short that did the, that did the broadcast. That's crazy. I wrestled his son, Ben Short, throughout the years uh, when I was in high school. Is that his son? Okay. Jake? Jake Short, sorry, yeah, Jake, Jake. Short, yep. yeah, yep. yeah, 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 yeah. I think he was, yep. yeah. That's, uh, yeah, I've heard that name for a while, and I, I assumed it was all, all related. So, man, yeah. like you think about that, like that, that's cool because it's not only like wrestling people. Like obviously, like this podcast flow and everyone else out there, it's great and it's more coverage, but only for the wrestling fans. Like you're not gonna get like no average person's just gonna stumble upon this podcast or flow. Yeah, so, like that new show, you're getting everyone. That's the yeah. cool thing about it. Yeah, it was it was really cool, really unique for its time, and um, they did a great job. I mean, it was a um, it was a professional, professionally done, and um, they just did a really, really good job with it. And it was pretty cool at that time. You just couldn't get any wrestling if you wanted, you know. So the wrestling people obviously tuned in, but it got us out there in front of um, in front of the other um, the other audience as well. Mm-hmm. And when you were being recruited. Who was the first one to call? Was it Marty or was it Jay or Mark Schwab or? You know, I can't remember. I think it was probably, I can't remember if it was Marty or Jay, but it would have been one of those two guys. Those were the guys I talked to probably the most. So it was, uh, again, just a, I, I laugh now. It was just a different world because, you know, um, now that I'm, you know, now that we're recruiting and talking to guys and, but I have to come home from school and you didn't know when they were going to call. You just kind of had to sit home because there were no cell phones or anything. It was just a landline. So you'd come home and you'd just sit at home at night and wait and hope a coach was going to call. And maybe they called on the same day every week or something like that, or every couple of weeks, but it's just, uh, yeah, it's crazy how things have changed in the recruiting world. When a lot of guys talk about, you probably like 10 years before you, but they're like, you know, I never watched a college duel until I got to college. You know, a lot of people say that, which is yeah. like, now you can't even imagine that. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually didn't go to my first college match until I was being recruited my senior year. Wow. See, there yeah. you go. It's like, yeah. and, uh, and when you came in, I forget when you came in, they actually did get a trophy in 97 and that was big. And, yeah. and so your true freshman year was 98, 97, 98. 98, 99, 98, 99. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. So 99 yeah. is the the heartbreak year. Yes. Yeah. Wow. So for folks who haven't watched the documentary and aren't kind of up to speed, just, you know, give them the cliff notes on, on kind of what happened during that, that year and like what the expectations were. Yeah. You know, we had, um, like you'd mentioned in 97, we won our first, um, 
where they won their first team trophy in the 98. We were, we were third in 97. We were second um, in 98. And then 99 was our year, you know, that we were going to win it. And um, the guys competed super well throughout the entire year. I think Iowa had won um, 25 big 10 titles at that time. So they were just, I mean, it was, it was theirs. And and we went into big tens and I, I think we beat them by 15 points, something like that, um, to stop their run of big 10 titles. And then we went to the national tournament and it was, you know, we were really set up, set up to win that thing. And, um, things just, you know, I, I don't think we wrestled terrible. There were just some, some things that happened that, you know, we had one guy who was seated fourth, um, who, who got upset and then didn't place. And another guy was seated fourth and got beat first round, came all the way back, ended up seventh. But I think throughout the course of that tournament, there were, 16 just random different things that either happened for us or or that happened against us, whether it was our guys or other other teams that gave up sets that let somebody come through the backside and stuff like that, that would have made the difference of that point and a half. We ended up losing the tournament, ended up losing the tournament by a point and a half. And it was, uh, yeah, it was devastating for me to be sitting up in the stands, you know, Chad Kraft, who was Minnesota's first four-time All-American, and um, he lost in the finals in 98. He sprained his ankle in the first minute of, of the NCAA finals and could barely couldn't walk. So he ends up losing the NCAA finals. And then he gets set up. He gets upset in the semifinals by a coin flip. He loses the coin flip, um, loses in the semifinals. Um, and that was wow. just, you know, I spent a lot of time training with him. And and um, it was just heartbreaking to sitting up the stands. There's nothing you can do about it, right? Like you're just sitting there and um, – it was, it was tough to see. We had a great following. It was actually at state college. It was out in Penn state that year. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, it was devastating to, to lose that the way, uh, the way we did. Yeah. And there's another documentary that the J Rob camp system had done that it's kind of like a niche one, but I found it one time and, and there Jay gets really vulnerable about, you know, up until this point, he was like always optimistic. The best is yet to come. We're building, we're building, but that year it was just like such a gut punch to him that he was like kind of lost faith for a couple of weeks there afterwards. Yeah. He was, you know, he was hurting pretty bad. Obviously I was a young athlete at the time, so he never showed that to to us, but I've heard Marty and, and those guys talk about it. And, you know, through some of these documents, uh, documentary documentaries throughout the years that he was, I mean, he just, he had always believed it was going to happen. It was going to happen. And everything was built to that 1999 season. You know, that was our year. We were going to do it. We knocked them off in dual meets. We beat them down in Carver. We beat them at big tens. It was, that was the year. And when it didn't happen, he really, he really took that hard. And um, he, yeah, like you said, he didn't, he didn't believe it was ever going to happen. It just wasn't meant to be. And he was in a bad place for a little bit. And um, obviously um, he pulled himself back together and we rebounded and were able to do what we, what we did the next few years down the road. So, well, it's crazy because going into the finals, all you guys, not all, but you had to win two or three. And Coach Egum had Kale. And it's yeah. like, okay. And then I think Hartung won. And then it came down to Stephen Neal, world champ versus Lesnar. And yeah. it's like, man, I mean, it's just crazy to think that it could be that close. And then, so 2000, is that your first year in the lineup full time? Yeah, yeah, that was my first year. And so how so, did it go that year as you guys were kind of rebuilding a little bit? Uh, it was good. You know, we obviously what we lost guys like Hartung, Kraft, um, Holiday. I mean, we had a lot of um, a lot of big shoes to replace and fill there. So we didn't know exactly what was going to happen. But um, luckily, we had those guys around to learn from and, and you know, to be able to train with and help us. And um, our young guys really stepped up, um, stepped up and, and did well, like, I think we had six or seven all Americans that year and ended up third. So, wow. um, which was, which was really, um, really good. It kind of kept the ball rolling, you know, even though we didn't win in 99, but, but even though we didn't win in 99, we knew we, I think we had two or three number one recruiting classes that were in the room that were coming up. So we knew, even though we lost those, those superstars that we did, that we had really good guys coming up and, um, and, and we believed it too, right? Like it wasn't, it, we were so close as for us as young guys um, coming up through it. It wasn't like you hear it a lot, like we can do it, we can do it, we can do it. But we like, we saw it, we saw guys were there. We saw how they trained. We saw 
the way Tim and and Kraft and Agam and those guys, we saw the way that they trained and the way they approached um, wrestling and what they did to to try to get there. And we knew that if we were following their footsteps and doing what they were doing, that we were going to be able to to find a way to make this happen. Yeah, being around if that makes sense. No, it does because in that in that flow doc, which is amazing, Keepers of the Flame is what it's called for folks who haven't watched it. Really, really good three part series and. They talk about basically like hard tongue and craft. And I had written another guy down for that class. What was that? Uh, there was one other guy in there. Um, apologies, whoever I'm leaving out. But basically those dudes just like set the culture. And it's like you yeah. only need a couple guys like that. And then the whole whole culture changes. Yeah. Yeah. When did, yeah. When did Damien Hahn get there? He got there the year after I did. So he was a year younger than me. That's so. a big one because that's an out of state big recruit. Yep. Uh, and I know Lawrence was an out-of-state big recruit, but his brother was already there. So it's like you, yep. you, you're probably feeling good about getting him. But to go to Jersey and get one of the one of you know, at that time one of the best had yeah. to be a big big swing. Yeah, yeah, it was a big deal, you know. And they, you know, obviously they spent a lot of time in uh, in New Jersey and and Marty and Jay and and Schwab and those guys out there. I think I heard a story where I think it was Marty and Jay were out there, and it's you know it's the way the rules are now. You couldn't you couldn't be sitting at their house or sitting at the school while they signed the papers, but Marty sent them or uh, Jay sent them out there and he said, you guys do not leave until he commits to Minnesota. <laughs> so they were out there just, and it was again, back then it was a different world. You didn't, you took visits your senior year, even when you knew where you were going, you didn't let anybody know till either the signing date or the week before you just, that was the way it was. Nobody committed early for the most part. So it was like, you got three schools that think they got a chance, even though you made your mind up three months ago that you're going to this place, but you just didn't, you didn't tell them and you're just, you didn't make that decision or didn't make that announcement, I guess I should say mm -hmm. till the, the week of. So I don't know if Damien, you know, I, I think Damien knew because you, you look at, he's going to have hard tongue, egg, um, those guys to be able to train with, there wasn't a better room in the country for him. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, it was, uh, we're, we're sure glad we got him. What a beast. Oh my God. Just yeah. amazing. And, uh, and when you first got there, you're coming in again, winningest wrestler ever in Minnesota at that time. But were you, for your transition, how was that first six months in the room for you as a, as a young guy? You know, it, it was good. It was, um, it was eye opening, right? Cause at, again, at the time, those were number two, number three, verge of being number one team in the country. So we had a lot of really, really tough, talented guys in the room. And you, you know, you took your, your lickings for sure. And it took me, I want to say it took me a month, maybe a month and a half, two months until I got my first takedown in the room, you know, against, unless I wrestled a guy, you know, a guy our age, but for the most part, you'd go with the, the older guys. I always wanted to grab, grab older, better guys. And um, it took me a long time to, to finally get a takedown on those guys. I remember wrestling craft all the time and he would just, take it to me, take it to me, take it to me. Next thing I know, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm getting to his legs. I can't finish, but I'm getting there. And then, mm -hmm. you know, a few weeks later, I'm, I'm getting there. He's not stuffing me right away. I'm really making him work. I'm, you know, getting close to my second, third attempt, uh, finish to take him down. And then, you know, and then slowly, finally, you're able to get a takedown and, and, um, you just build confidence from there. So. And was the work, like the amount of work you guys are doing, like preseason running training, was it just an insane change for you or was it what kind of, you were ready for it? No, I, you know, I was, it was, I was ready for it. You know, it was a lot of work. Um, but again, I got here and I didn't, that's what everybody did. So I didn't, didn't know any different. You know, I was always, a. I feel like I was always a pretty hard worker, but it was just kind of on, on my own, right? Like if I needed to go for a run or something like that, I'd, I, in high school, I'd go for a run on my own and um, do those type of things, lift on my own. I didn't have um, uh, a training schedule, obviously, like we did here, put together for us. So I, I feel like I had a decent work ethic, but it was, it was, uh, I had to to learn to grind a little bit. Because if you go, uh, if you watch that, <clears throat> excuse me, I feel like I'm at a commercial for this film, but but it's just in my mind from last night. But if you watch it, though, one of the things that Marty and Jay talk about is that the first 10 years, it was just pretty much 
pounding the guys every day, no peaks and valleys. And guys were by March, they were so ready for it to be done that they were maybe overtrained and a little spent and that they had to kind of change their ways a little bit. And so you were probably one of those first couple of classes where it maybe didn't seem like it to you, but they were kind of backing off a little bit and giving you some peaks and valleys. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I do remember, you know, um, in the fall, it was, we trained, we trained pretty hard, but they gave us probably about three weeks a month on our own, where it was just kind of on your own. Cause it was before RTC. So we had captain's practices or whatever, but we actually play a lot of football in the mm -hmm. fall too. So, um, that was kind of our, our getaway. And those were pretty hard cause we're all contents our intense competitors. So it was, those got pretty heated at times. Yeah. I remember this is kind of a funny tidbit, but I remember one time we were playing and Harkung and Kraft were on the opposite sides. And again, they were both pretty big competitors and can't remember what happened or how the play got happened, but Crafty wasn't happy with it. He, he like kicked over at Hartung and Hartung stopped and looks at him and he goes, did you just try to kick me? Crafty goes, yep. And I'll do it again. <laughs> I don't know. It was just, that's just a really funny uh, tidbit to those football games that we played, but we always, you know, on Wednesdays we played football um, in the afternoon and it wasn't just, it wasn't just, um, us wrestlers, the coaches were there too. So it was, um, it was wow. really a, a team thing that we played, but, but yeah. And, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, we, um, we grinded pretty hard in the, in the fall. And then, you know, obviously we went hard in the season too, but I think that's where the coaches, you know, again, I wasn't there prior to that, but over the years, listening to them talk and how they figured out the kind of peaking cycle of it and, um, when to let guys rest and, and when to take it, take it down a notch. And obviously um, it seemed to have worked out there towards the end. So, yeah. Well, and like you, you mentioned coaches and I, I just love this staff that that was put together. It's such a kind of like a hodgepodge. You would never, you'd think, how do these guys all get there? You got Joe Russell and you got Mark Schwab and then you got Marty and Jay, which makes sense to me. Um, but it sounds like a lot of the guys who, like the crafts and those guys, were they staying around as kind of like volunteer assistant, like helping out as well? Yeah. We were like, you know, it was, we kind of had an RTC before there was RTCs back then, you know, they stayed around. We had what you would call administrative assistance. And that's where Jay was, was really good. He found a way to keep all these guys around, you know, they'd get paid a little bit of money through the university. It wasn't much at all, but to stay around and be able to be in the practices because, um, because they were here at the university and, um, yeah, he just kept as many of those guys around as he could. And, um, he, uh, I think that staff, those core four, so Jay, Marty, um, Schwab and Russell, I think, I mean, they were together for sure. The seven years in a row that we won, um, in that period that we won, I, they might've been like 10, 12 years together. That entire staff was together. Um, which was pretty unique back then and probably even more unique now that you get a staff that stays together that long. And except for your staff. I was looking at the Minnesota <laughs> list today. I'm like, oh my God, everyone's on staff. You know, Trevor's a little bit younger, but yeah, man, you and uh you and Coach Eggham have been there like 20 something years. Like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty amazing that we've um, you know, I I think it's it's something special to to be able to wrestle here, stay here and um and uh, being able to coach here now, you know, we've, we've been through the program, we've been through Jay and Marty and those guys' system. Um, we've, we've kind of developed it into to our own system here. And we're, um, we're really excited where we're at right now, obviously having Sanders um, on staff. And then we brought Trevor on, I think Trevor's on his fifth year here now um, in the program, but it's, it's nice to have a, an outside perspective, someone who's been at a different program coach somewhere else mm -hmm. to pull into, you know, into our Minnesota system here. And then obviously we, uh, we had coach Slater who was our RTC coach and, and he stepped away to, um, and uh, we brought on coach Steiner. So he's been, he's been awesome to have on I board forgot as well. Coach Steiner's there. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's huge. Yeah. Man, I totally forgot about that. Shame on me. That's uh and shout out to Zach Sanders. Absolutely love the guy. One of my favorites. He was one <laughs> he, of the early guys to come on the show and man, he's the best. Yeah, he's great. He's um he really like he everything he does in his life is is um is for wrestling and is, you know, especially now he's he's done competing, but before that, I think even some guys think he's a little nuts, right? Like, but it's, it's, he wanted to, to be the best and it was, he was going to do whatever it took, you know, from his sleep to, 
to the way he ate and just everything he did about the way he planned out his day was about his training and to be the best competitor he could be. How much film did Zach Sanders watch and currently watch? <laughs> <laughs> still, still does a ton, man. If you need to know anything about a light guy in the world, he's, he's, he's got notes on him. <laughs> wow. Now was he part of that 08 championship or it was 07 or 08 when they won again? No, he, so he's a little bit later than that. He he's was the 13 uh, class. Yeah. He was, he graduated in 12. Okay. So he was, he was part of, um, I think he got there. He might've been a freshman in that 07, 08 years. And then um, his senior year, we were finally able to to get back and bring another trophy back to Minnesota. Yeah, that's right. Because there was a, he, and then Thorne was a four-time All-American. There was a really good group that he had come through with at yeah. that time. Yeah. So. And then, uh, so just um, while we're on the topic of coaches, what's it been like working with Coach Steiner, getting some new perspective in there? It's great. You know, he's um, he's been a head coach at at another program. He's been head assistant at a couple different programs. He's just he's such a he's got so much knowledge for the sport, and um, he he knows how to communicate with our athletes really really well. And um, it's just been it's just been great having him on. And I know our our senior level guys really enjoy enjoy working with them and. Um, you know, he does a great job putting a plan together and getting it figured out for their training and all that. So mm -hmm. it's been, uh, it's just, and it, it was just kind of a, um, kind of a freak thing. He, you know, um, when, um, when Fresno did what they did, he, uh, he and his wife decided they have some family here in, in Minneapolis. So they just decided to move to Minneapolis. Um, and, wow. um, just, the yeah, he just, just really kind of showed up, <laughs> showed up, showed up in our back door and, um, and then it it just worked out that we we're able to get them and bring them on staff. So with the RTC. Awesome. Well, it's just, it's exciting because, and just another guy of that caliber to have around, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Now, when I think of back to your career, I want to hit on the NCAA finals, of course, <clears throat> excuse me, but tell me about the year there was the target center duel, because that's the year the season was following Iowa. And I was in middle school at this time and I probably watched the season as much as anyone, like I, it was just the best documentary ever. And, uh, yeah, there's the clip of Leroy Vega shaving his head before the duel. I mean, God, that duel was awesome. Well, so what year was that for you? So that would have been, I believe that was 2000, was that 2001 or 2002? I can't remember. I think it was, uh, it was the year where Zadok beat Lawrence. Zadok beat Lawrence. So that would have been 2001. 2001 or two. Okay. I can't, I can't remember. We did one at the target center and one at the Excel center, but I know that first one, it had to have been 2001. Because the target center is where the pro basketball team plays. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's where the Timberwolves play downtown. Yeah. I mean, and that to have 15,000 in that is that's special. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It was pretty amazing. You know, Jay had always talked about that. And again, Jay coming from Iowa, um, he always wanted to, he wanted to beat those guys. It didn't matter if it was on the mat or if it was in attendance or whatever it was, right? Like there was kind of that, that, um, he just wanted to be the best and he wanted to beat those guys at everything. So, um, that's why we went down there because we didn't have a facility big enough to be able to do it here on campus, even though Williams arena holds, I think like 13,500, but he wanted to go break the record, which was maybe 15 at the time. I think we had like 16,500 people at that, uh, target center duel, which was, which was pretty amazing. They did just a tremendous job getting, getting fans in and, and the atmosphere. And, you know, that was before they did any light shows or any of that stuff, you know, so it was really unique for a wrestling uh, event to have that type of stuff. Was there a platform? There was, yep. They put it up on a stage. There was a platform, you know, where the, um, the floor was, they brought chairs all the way right up next to the stage. And it was, it was a crazy atmosphere and they wow. actually, um, uh, I think the fans had quite a bit of fun too, because it wasn't on a college campus. It was, um, it was downtown Minneapolis. So they had alcohol there too. They had beer sales. So the fans were enjoying themselves as well. <laughs> love it. Getting a little rowdy. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was quite the atmosphere, man. What a, uh, yeah. And just to think that, you know, probably 12 years earlier, maybe a couple hundred people are going, you know, and, and then yeah. 15,000, like yeah. that can happen though, anywhere. Like that just shows you like if, if you're, I mean, not just any, you have to put in the time, but man, Jay, you just got to tip your hat to how much of an innovator he was for, as a promoter, you know, forget yeah. the wrestling. He's a promoter. 
Yeah, he was. He really, it wasn't, you know, again, it wasn't just about the mat stuff. It was building the sport, bringing in the fans and doing whatever he could. Marty always um, makes the joke when he wrestled here, there were 200 fans in the stands and a hundred of them were his family members. So, (laughs) (laughs) A good segue to coach, coach Morgan, because, you know, everyone knows Jay hall of famer, one of the, one of the pillars of wrestling, you know, I would say, but you know, coach Morgan, I'm sure he was really in there running a lot of the practices and whatnot. Like what was his philosophy to training back then? And like, what was his role? Yeah, I think, you know, he was, um, you know, he was the, obviously the head assistant at the time and, he, um, he was as hard, no, you know, he was the, he was the first guy under Jay to, to come through and actually win a national title. Um, so he had, he had been there for us. So for us that were, were coming up through it. And, you know, I'd say even the hard tongues and the crafts and those guys, they, um, they respected Marty so much because he had done it right. Like he was able to do it. And, and he was, a he was a hard nosed, hard nosed guy. Um, when you were in the room, he was also, you know, he was, he was a, a good friend to us as well, too. You know, it wasn't just in the wrestling room. It wasn't just a relationship in the wrestling room. It really was like, almost like a father figure. All those guys were um, to us. And I think that's what made them so unique. It wasn't just in the room. It was, we were a family, um, you know, we were a brotherhood and they would do anything for us on, uh, on or off the mat. But um, yeah, he was, he was really intense and you, you had a lot of respect for Marty and, he would always, we joke, he would always like, you couldn't, you couldn't tell if he was serious or not. He was always playing Jedi mind tricks on (laughs) however he wanted to get something out of you or get you to do something. Or it was just, he was always messing with you. It wasn't, uh, wasn't comfortable if you had to go sit in his office and um, even if it was, yeah, even if it was a, you know, all of them, even if it was a good, you know, it was just the, the year or we in the fall and in the spring, we'd go in and sit in their offices and have uh have just kind of checkups to see how, where we're at, what we need to do, where we need to get to. And um, it was always uncomfortable, especially when Marty was standing there. He's just such a massive man staring over top. Yeah. And now he's had that kind of an angry look on his face, but, um, but he was great. He'd do anything for it. So what did he, did he go on and become a UFC trainer or did, was he like involved with Brock's WWE stuff? Like what led to him retiring from coaching? Yeah. You know, he had, um, he had, I can't remember. I think it was maybe 2001. He had had his first son. So they were starting to have kids now and have a family and had a really unique opportunity with Brock. Um, when Brock jumped into the UFC, um, and Brock asked him to train him. So he spent, um, I think I want to say for a year or two, he was kind of when Brock was training, he was doing that while he was coaching. And it just got to the point where he, um, he couldn't do both. He really, you know, he really enjoyed, he had, I shouldn't say this. Um, he, he had, um, uh, I don't know, maybe he would say it or not, but he had kind of done everything you can in the, in, in the wrestling coaching world. Right. He'd won national, um, national titles and, uh, with the team and he just, it was a really unique opportunity and Brock wanted him to go train him. So, and then he was able to, to spend more time with his family at the same time um, yeah. as college coach. And as you know, is there's a, it's, there's a lot of nights and weekends and it's uh it's hard on families sometimes. So that was, it was a opportunity for him to step away from the wrestling side of it and, and get into this. And then um, he did that for many years while Brock was, was training. And then at, at the same time he was doing that, he developed uh, um, yeah, into his real estate that, that he does now. So Got it. Okay. He's got a real estate company that he runs. Yeah. And he's very successful. So got it. Yeah, man, that's uh to think about that staff together though. And and you mentioned your roommate was Jared Lawrence, which until I interviewed him, I would see matches of him. I would see him. I was scared of him. Like he's like just intense, man. Like, yeah. And so I'm sure you guys had some scraps being a way to part. I mean, what, what was that like being around him in those early years? Yeah, it was great. You know, uh, again, I learned so much for him over the years, just from, from the way he trained, you know, obviously I, I feel he's one of the best technical coaches out there. He's just, he, he knows his stuff. And I was, um, I was more of a, a strength power guy. Um, so I learned a lot from him, but also just his mentality and the way he, you know, he looked at wrestling. He was just, he was going out there just to to compete and he was going to go as hard as he could. And he was, you know, I was probably a little bit more, 
intense isn't the right word, but just kind of focused in where he could relax and and have a good time and, you know, turn the switch off and on a little bit. So later in my career, um, I learned a lot from him that way, but I remember being freshman in the dorm room, sitting up, you know, in our beds and we were talking and dreaming about winning national titles as a team and, and as individuals. So um, I think having someone like that around me that, um, and he had, he had a ton of success coming out right away. You know, um, it took me about halfway through that first year to kind of figure things out, but he, he came out of the gate swinging and he was having a ton of success and, and um, yeah. And I learned a lot at, at the way he, he attacked the sport and the way he, he thought about things. And, and um, yeah, it was just, it was, it was pretty special to be able to have him um, the way before, you know, the way before me. And usually he was out there, dismantling a guy and breaking a guy because he wrestled so hard. So it was a lot, it was a lot easier for me to step out there and compete once uh, somebody saw what Jared just did to the guy in front of him. <laughs> it's funny you say that he could be a little more relaxed though and turn it on and turn it off. I I never knew that. Yeah. Yeah, he was, he was just, you know, he was just kind of, um, I mean, he trained his butt off, but he just, he was just a little bit, he didn't let, let the little stuff get to him. Like I was maybe more of a little bit of a warrior and some of that stuff. So um it was just nice to see the way he approached matches and competition and, and that. And he obviously had some battles with Mike Zadek. What do you remember about those, that rivalry back in the day? Yeah, man, it was, um, it was, uh, really intense. Those guys went, went back and forth a ton. I can't remember exactly how many, uh, how many won, but they were usually, you know, the weird thing is, is I remember going back and watching them, but I never really got to see Jared wrestle a ton Oh yeah, because I was in the back. Up. Yeah. Cause I'm warming up and getting, getting ready unless it was, you know, we'd go back and watch film afterwards, but um, I didn't get to see a lot of those matches. I'm in the tunnel and I'm hearing, you know, the crowd going crazy. I'm trying to figure out what's going on up there. You know, who did Jared score? Did Zadik score? Um, so it was, uh, but yeah, those guys, um, those guys were intense. Two guys that wrestled extremely hard and, um, the way those guys went out, it was pretty, pretty awesome. Was that at 49? That was at 49. Yeah. How the hell was Zadik making the 33 for the Olympics or whatever he was making? Like that doesn't even make sense to me. Yeah. It's crazy. I don't know how, I don't know how he shrunk his body down like that. I mean, I yeah. didn't even put that together until right now. I'm like, wait, what weight was that at? That's insane. Yeah. yeah. Man. And then you had, had some uh had some matches with one of my childhood heroes tj williams you know yeah. being from illinois i mean williams brothers get out of here i mean they were yeah. un unbelievable and uh i had heard kyle Kleeman talk about this but you had a pretty epic match with tj your freshman year at yeah. minnesota yep at minnesota and it was um i think it was probably like i don't know number one versus number three as far as the duel so it was a it was a big big match i believe Zadik beat Jared that, that, that wow. time, that duel. Um, and, um, and that was when West hand pinched Brock and threw Brock to his back and got a four point or five point throw. So Brock lost a hand that time too. And we ended up, we ended up losing the duel. Um, but anyhow, yeah, TJ and I had a, had a really good match there. Um, kind of crazy. So I, um, we wrestled on Friday night. This was a Sunday, Sunday duel. And on Friday night, we wrestled Northwestern. And we were down in a high school down Southern Minnesota, uh, down by Crafty's hometown and, uh, wrestling Northwestern guy. And I popped my knee. Uh, so I, uh, it was pretty sore. We woke up the next day, we came into workout and I couldn't even, I couldn't even shoot. I couldn't even hit a knee. So we're trying to figure out, I got to wrestle, right? Like we, we need, I need to wrestle to, to, to help us try to win the duel. Mm -hmm. So trying to figure out maybe the doc would be in in the morning. Maybe I'd, you know, I get a shot in my knee. We'll figure it out. Got down to weight. And I remember before I went home that night, I was talking about Marty being Jedi mind trick guy. Before I went home that night, he said, asked me how I was doing. I was like, I just don't know, Marty. It's, it's really bothering me. I can't even hit a knee right now. He's like, remember 90% of the pain is in your head. I went to bed that night. I woke up. My knee felt like a million bucks. I didn't didn't need to tape it, put a sleeve on it. Now it bothered me the rest of the year, but some reason for that match, it I woke up that morning and I was ready to go. Maybe it was just the adrenaline. Maybe I just Marty, right. uh, Marty got in my head or whatever. But but yeah, so we had um we and had you're a, a freshman a, at the time. I'm a freshman, yeah. Yeah, redshirt freshman. So TJ's the defending champ. He's the defending champ, yeah. So yeah, wow. it was um yeah, it was kind of a crazy match. He I think he got up by like five points in the first period. Um 
maybe it was, maybe it was up by five points going into the third period. And um, I ended up getting a stall call on him and getting a takedown. And then, um, or maybe he tried to throw me at double unders or something like that. I tried to throw me. And then there must've been like 15 seconds left in the match. I got in on a shot. I was down by one point, I believe. Maybe I was, yeah, down by one point. I got in on a shot and put two or three things together and got a takedown like five seconds left. And then Williams hits his switch um, that he got me with every time. And it wasn't like he switched to get out. He, when he, when he hit his switch, he like trapped your arm in there and you just, you couldn't get out. He got a reversal almost every time if, if he hot hit it and, and got your arm stuck in there. And I, again, I don't know. Um, I'm out there wrestling. Right. But apparently the rumor is they call time and the, the, the girl who was supposed to hit the rep like swiped and missed him and then went out and hit him again. And then by that time they had given him two reversal. Maybe it shouldn't have been two. maybe, right, right. you know, maybe it should have just been an escape, but anyhow, he ends up winning by a point, but it was, um, wow. I think it was finally the, you know, I, I had, as I mentioned, I had, um, I'd started out pretty slow my freshman year. Um, for what reason I, I, you know, I, I don't really know, but I started out being like ranked 18th in the country and I was so focused on winning or losing. Should I beat this guy? Shouldn't I beat this guy? And I started losing. I got beat out of the cliff keen. I lost to uh, the division two um, national champ from NDSU in the duel just was having a terrible year. And, um, you know, luckily I was able to kind of forget about, I just quit focusing on rankings, winning that. I just went out um, and worried about wrestling. And this is where Jay really got to me. And he's like, you can't control any of that stuff. You can't control if your hand gets raised. Only thing you control is your attitude and effort when you step out on the mat. And I started doing that. And I just started worrying about wrestling as hard as I could for seven minutes. Um, I started doing it down in the practice room. And um, not that it, you know, I would just say, okay, I'm going to go as hard as I can. If I can go for two minutes, that is what it is. And I just started building off that. And then I started doing it in competition. And, you know, slowly I started to knock off a few ranked guys here and there. And, that was really, you know, um, the match that I think I really believe that I was right there with, with all the top guys in the country. Cause I was, I came so close to, um, to beating TJ there. So and he was and 98 he had, and one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he was, he was the one guy I never, we, we had some, we had a few close matches throughout the years, um, in dual meets, but I, the one guy I never, uh, never was able to beat. I will say he beat me. He beat me pretty bad a few times too. So <laughs> was the Big Ten's rematch later that year? Yeah, the big, finals, Big Ten finals or semis or Big Ten finals. Yep, I think you made the beat, finals as a freshman at the Big Tens. Yeah, he beat wow. me my freshman year and my sophomore year in the Big Ten finals. So yeah, I mean, but like it's cool that that match kind of was a little bit of a turning point for you. And man, you know, afterwards at the bars of Minneapolis, Minnesota fans were like, ah, they swiped the towel wrong. Like that, <laughs> that little scenario was probably talked about for weeks after that. Door. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. So. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, you mentioned that a lot of times when, when uh, Lawrence was wrestling, you're in the tunnel and you know, I want to go to like nationals, you're, uh, you know, 2002, your junior year. So you're in the tunnel. What did you have like a routine of like what you were thinking or what you were saying to yourself or like, what was your mental state before a big match like that? You know, um, yeah, just, just trying to focus on again, attitude and effort. When I stepped out there, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to walk out there. I'm going to, I'm going to give it my all. I'm going to go out and, and just wrestle. And I think that's when I was wrestling my best. The times I got focused on what I was going to do or what he was going to do, um, I didn't, I didn't wrestle my best. I, I feel like I was a pretty good, like feel wrestler in positions and, um, I could scramble through stuff pretty good. But if I was too focused on trying to do a certain thing, I never wrestled my best. So it was just trying to stay calm and go out there and just, um, just go out there and wrestle as hard as I could for seven minutes, you know, and the rest was going to take care of itself. So that was kind of my attitude before I went out there. It was kind of, um, another little, uh, tidbit or story. So, we're, um, we're getting warmed up. We come, it was Jared, myself and Ryan Lewis was actually in the finals that year too. So we have our little spot back in the tunnel and we're getting our stuff on, getting ready to get warmed up before the NCAA finals. And you would think we were all, you know, we were super nervous and all worried and, but we were all super 
super relaxed and we were joking around having a good time we were talking about like okay you walk up the steps this is how you got to stomp your foot on the mat you know it wasn't it wasn't technique how are we going to win what are we going to do it's like all right you got to make sure when you get up there you got one don't trip but two you got to get up here you take one step on the mat you stomp with your left foot and um that's how our you know our group was back there before uh before we were getting ready to go out and wrestle in the ncaa finals it was pretty uh wow. pretty funny relaxed um and that's where I think our coaches did a great job with keeping us keeping us calm and relaxed and just excited to go out and compete. And those gold singlets were awesome. I yep. mean, that's I love them. I love the both Minnesota singlets from that era. The uh, just the classic maroon with the gold M, and then the gold singlets were also just badass. Yeah, that was it. That was the you know I, we we were told all the time. So it used to be when I was competing, it was Big Tens and NCAs. You could wear the gold singlet. Because at the time, Big Tens, it was only the finals. There were no third and fifth place matches going at the same time. Okay. So you you could wear it, and it, was, it wasn't the final round. It was only the finals. So, And then when they switched it, and at the Big Tens, they started doing third and fifth at the same time, then it was very hit and miss on whether we could wear the gold single in the finals because you get you start to get point deductions if um, you get warnings and point deductions because when the singlet switched back and forth. Okay. So it was only that it was big tens and NCAs. And when you got your, when you got your, um, the first time you even probably even saw the singlet, the gold singlet was when you got to go to big tens and it was the, the, um, the rule was don't put it on till you make the big 10 finals. Once you make the big 10 finals, then you can try it on, see how it fits, see how it looks. So that was, uh, so like media day, you're not trying on the gold single at like none nope. of that, huh? No. Well, there probably was no media day back then, but right, right. <laughs> yeah, but no, it wasn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't get to put that on until, um, I made the big 10 finals my freshman year and then I was able to, to try it on and. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Now there's a, you know, 2001, we could talk about, and we're, we're winding down here, but we could talk about that for all day, all, all you know, all day. You know, everyone's heard the O and six, everyone's heard. Damien hitting the spike or see, yeah. you know, I just love all of it. What's, yeah. you know, when you think about Oh one, you know, obviously first time anyone's won with 10 all Americans and it hasn't happened since what's your like fond memory of that event that comes to mind when people talk about that seat, that tournament, you know, it was, um, it was really, I think the, the most amazing thing for me was that we were all able to, to come together, right? Like we had, we had to come through a lot of adversity um, as far as, you know, we had, there were six guys in the semifinals that you were, you get your dreams crushed to go to the national finals. And, um, and uh, we, um, we went back that night and everyone's super bummed and super disappointed. And we're sitting in the hotel room and all of a sudden you hear the coaches, you know, start saying, Hey guys, this isn't over. This isn't over. We have 10 guys wrestling back in the morning. We can score an unbelievable amount of points. Like we got to keep our heads up. We got to be ready to go. Um, and, you know, once we, once we came out of that meeting that night, like we were, we were fired up, you know, we were like, Hey, none of us got this thing, got a chance to do this as an individual, we can win this thing as a, as a team here. And, and, um, so we woke up that next morning and, um, this story's probably been told too, but we come down to the vans and you got hard tongue craft and egg um, sitting in the vans, ready to drive us that morning and crafty's got who let the dogs out blaring on the radio <laughs> at like five 30 in the morning. As we get in the vans, we drive over to the arena and, and the rest is history from there. But that was, um, that was um, one of the funnest moments that I can remember that we were, you know, sitting in that meeting where we were all so disappointed that how did, you know, we had it, this was ours, ours to win here, but we weren't going to, we weren't going to lose it. We weren't going to let it sneak away like it did in 99. And, um, and waking up that morning, guys were so excited to be able to go out and compete and and realized if we just went out and did took care of our what we could individually, that the team thing was going to take care of itself. And and every one of us did it that morning. And you think about those three guys driving the van, like they had been scorned, like you were almost doing it for them a little bit, right? Oh, like those yeah. are like the, the captains taking into battle. Yeah, I say all the time, you know, I mean, it's it's uh, I'm so honored and 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 love to be being a part of that 2001 team. Right. But there were so many people that led the way leading up to that, you know, the hard tongues, the crafts, the guys that came before them that had kind of paved the way for us. We were the fortunate 10 that were in the position to be able to go out there and do it. But there were a lot of guys, alumni throughout the years, you know, from, 
from alumni, the alumni that started way back before Jay even got here. It wasn't, you know, this wasn't a championship just for us. It was for all those other guys as well, too. And to me, that's the that's the special part about I, I always feel like the team thing, what we're able to do as as a team, both in 2001, 2002 and, you know, um, again, in 2007, those are more special than in any any individual titles. Yeah. And oh, two. I mean, you win it. Team wins it. It's like now it's like you're 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 winning them back. It seems like, you know, probably is going to go on forever. And then Oklahoma State, they kind of pop on and have a, you know, one of the best four year runs ever. And then in 07, how did it happen in 07? I really don't know a lot about that year. Like, how did you guys pull it out the team title that year? Yeah, we had, again, it was very similar, I'd say, to the, you know, I, I like to use the 99 and then, you know, our our class teams where we were just so solid. We had from up and down the lineup, we were just um, so solid. And we actually, we came in, uh, we went out to the, I don't even know what they are, but we did some duels out in Albany, New York. And um, we wrestled Hofstra, first duel meet of the year. And we get beat by Hofstra. We got second in 2006. We're then, you know, we're projected to be the number one team, win a national title. And we come out and we get beat in the what? first duel meet of the year. Yeah. We lose to Hofstra in the first duel meet of the year. Some crazy upsets. And I think we had, I'm pretty sure we had our entire lineup in too. It just, I don't know. We lost some matches. We were winning some matches and we get beat by Hofstra. And um, that was Tom Ryan's night of the night of his life. Yes. Yeah. He's probably at Hofstra at that time. Yeah. Or maybe actually by then he's probably at Ohio State. But okay. So yeah, he would have been at Ohio State by then. Yeah. Yeah. So what? So after that, you guys was it bumpy all season, or did you kind of rebound from there on? Yeah. And then we rebounded, and then we just started rolling. Um. Obviously, we had, you know, you had Mac Ryder, um, Kish, CP Schlater, Dustin Schlater came in as a true freshman and and just lit the world on fire. He actually lost. Uh, three to two match um, th- that those, those duels, it was a, it was a dual tournament, not against Hofstra, but against, I think it was Oklahoma Stornolio, mm-hmm. I think was the, the, his first loss. Um, and then he just went on a tear um, tear from there. And yeah, it was just, it was, it was pretty, pretty awesome because like you said, Oklahoma state had gone on this um, the run that they did where they won four straight. And we had actually had um, Jay had had Dan Gable come up and do our coaches clinic that fall. And he brought in and we knew we were, we knew we were right there. And um, he talked to our team and, you know, Gable's a pretty straightforward guy. And he's like, Hey guys, I'm not telling you can't do it, but all I see is a seed of orange. He says, I only see a sea of orange. And, um, and then he went on to give us some motivational stuff too. But yeah. And then we were able to, you know, we, we dueled them twice that year, one time at the national duels. And then um, we went down there in Oklahoma city and, Cause I think that they had a duel in Oklahoma city where we dueled them. Uh, Cause the nationals were, might've been down there a couple of years later anyway. So, um, so yeah, we beat them down there in the duel and you know, the national duel one was pretty amazing because that was when Cole Conrad throws Mako um, and pins Mako to win the duel in the national duels. What is it with Minnesota heavyweights pinning people <laughs> at the national duels? You had we, we got the best heavyweights, man. You gotta you want to be a great heavyweight. You gotta come. Gotta There's come to no Minnesota. question, no. But you, literally though, like Shelton Benjamin, the year before Lesnar gets there, pins West Hand. Minnesota wins the national duels. The next year, Lesnar pins West Hand again, wins the <laughs> yeah. national duels. Like, <laughs> what the hell is that? That's crazy. Yeah. And the, like as you as we're reminiscing on this, like it just makes me. St- kind of sad that we don't have the best programs wrestle multiple times a year anymore. Like yeah. the national duels, like you guys were going all the time, like Oklahoma state, Iowa, Minnesota. It just, I don't know. Yeah. I know we're in a different era and it's all good. And I love the era we're in, but man, you talk about all these matches happening in a short period of time too, you know? Yeah. I'd love to bring the national duels back. I don't, I don't know how you do it. You got to get, if you do it, you got to get everybody on board and, yeah. Um, again, that's where I'll always, I'll always praise Jay. I, there were years, no doubt about it, that maybe it wasn't in our best interest as a team, um, to wrestle in the national duels, but he felt it was what's best for the sport and help grow the sport because dual meets are a big deal. And, um, and we were going to be in it no matter what. So, yeah, love it, man. Well, it's, it's been so fun to talk coach and, you know, we haven't got to talk about the current Gophers. So I want to spend just last question on this is, you know, you guys had a big win last night and, getting ready for Okie state on Sunday, which I just think it's so cool. The Oklahoma state and Minnesota wrestle. I mean, I know it goes back to Jay going there and, you know, and 
props to John Smith for, for putting it on the calendar and obviously you guys too. Um, so talk about this to your squad a little bit. What are you excited for and what are you looking for? Yeah, we're excited, man. We're, we really have, um, you know, we got a, a really good mix of our, our veterans and our old guys who are, who are really competing really well now. Um, and then we have a group of young guys that are, that are coming up that we're really excited about too. And they're only starting to scratch the surface here a little bit. And, you know, we haven't, we haven't had them all in together yet. Um, and, um, you know, this weekend, the plan is to have all those guys in together and competing. And, um, but yeah, we're, we're excited about where we're at. We have a super, super great hard nosed group of guys right now that, that love the sport. They want to win and they want to bring, they want to bring trophies back to Minnesota. Um, so we're excited about where we're at. It's going to be a great duel this weekend. Um, there's a lot of really interesting matchups, you know, really close matchups and you can see where they're favored, where we're favored. And then there's, these toss up matches. So um, it's going to be a fun duel. It always is. It's always great to go down there and, and compete against those guys. Cause they bring it all the time too. And um, oh, it's at Stillwater. Yeah. It's at Stillwater. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Going to Gallagher. So, Iva. I love yeah, it. Yeah. Man. Yeah. It's going to be, it's, it's going to be good. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about this duel and I'm excited about getting, um, getting into the, the, um, the scuffle and having our guys compete there and then getting into our big 10 season. Cause these, I, I really feel our guys are only going to get better um, as the season goes on. And it's cool you guys do a little California trip in between there too, just to yeah. kind of switch things up a little bit. Yeah, it'll be nice to get those guys out there. And you know, we'll have some um we'll have a, a tough duel out there. Cal Poly, they're wrestling, they're wrestling ball. They got some really good individuals as well, too. And we have a handful of guys from California on the team too. So oh, really? we've been been doing a lot of recruiting out in uh, California. So it'll be nice for those guys to get out, get home and get back out that way and and wrestle for yeah. their families. So well, awesome. Coach Becker, man, it's been an absolute pleasure. You're welcome back on anytime. I just want to thank you for coming on the show. Last question is, you know, wrestling changed my life. How did wrestling change your life or how has it impacted your life? Well, you know, really it just like, I, you know, I come from a small town and, you know, I think if it weren't for wrestling, I don't know if I, you know, who knows if I would have went to college or not, you know? It's, um, so I was fortunate enough to be able to, to, to come to college and man, it's amazing where wrestling's taken me from, you know, I, I've been able to travel all over the world because of it. Um, I've been able to um, be a part of some things that are, that are really, really special and really unique that, that the average people don't, uh, don't get to be a part of. And then, you know, I get to, I get to be here and be a mentor for, for these young athletes that are coming up. And I, I think that's the, the most special thing for me is being able to help these young guys, these young guys come up and, and try to accomplish and their dreams. So yeah, pretty fortunate to be able to, you know, to be part of this sport, just because I brought home a letter from school and uh, <laughs> it's, it's pretty awesome. For sure, man. Well, I'm sure glad we could connect and, you know, wish you guys nothing but the best this year. Love the Gophers and, uh, you know, give Zach my best. I will appreciate it, Ryan. I'll come Thank back on anytime you want me. Appreciate it, brother. Thank you. All right. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wrestling Changed My Life with Luke Becker. Wrestling Changed My Life is presented by Spartan Combat. Thanks to Beat the Street Chicago, our sponsor for this episode. Go to btschicago.org to watch the Beat the Streets National Duels documentary film. btschicago.org This episode is also brought to you by Quant Wrestling. Download the Quant app on the Apple and Google Play stores, Q-U-A-N-T, Quant Wrestling. That's it, folks. We'll see you later this week with a new episode of Wrestling Changed My Life.